Thank you so much, Kendra, for that divine music. Thank you, Bonnie, for that heartfelt prayer. Thank you, Brother Bennett, Brad, for leading out in our welcome and announcements. And thank you all for sharing some testimonies with us this morning. Loved hearing from you. Hold on just one second. New recommendation from the Oregon Conference Office late this week for Seventh-day Adventist says that if you are vaccinated and you're up front, then a mask is not required or any kind of face shield. So it's nice to see you. It's not nice for you to see how much gray I have in my beard these days. Let's pray, shall we? Father in heaven, we've been told that we are going to study the cross throughout eternity so rich and it's so deep. I'm grateful, Lord, that however the message is simple in that it makes all the difference in our lives. Bless us as we study some of this wonderful message of the cross this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Does anyone recognize this fella? His name is Edward Michael Bear Grills. Born June the 7th, 1974 in Northern Ireland. His older sister gave him the nickname Bear when he was only one week old. Turned out it was a pretty fitting nickname in that he has lived a fairly remarkable life, quite a bit of it, accomplishing amazing things outdoors and in the wilderness. He's had several of his own television shows. Probably the most recent would be his Running Wild with Bear Grylls. Listen to some of what this man has done in his life. At age 35, he became the youngest ever chief scout of the United Kingdom and overseas territories. Before that, even, he was awarded the rank of Lieutenant Commander of the Royal, I'm sorry, of the United, uh, of the Royal Navy Reserve, that's right, Lieutenant Commander. He's also been awarded the rank of Lieutenant Colonel in the Royal Marine Reserves. While serving in the Territorial Army, his parachute failed to open at 16,000 feet, he suffered three broken vertebrae. Only 18 months later, in 1998, after that parachute accident, he achieved his childhood dream of climbing to the summit of Mount Everest, becoming the youngest to do so at that time. Pretty impressive. A couple of years later, 2000, Grills led the team to circum his A team to circumnavigate the British Isles on jet skis. Any guys think that would be fun? <laughs> it took a long time, 30 days, and it raised money for the Royal National Lifeboat Institution. In 2003, 
Just a few years after that, he led a team of five on an unassisted crossing of the North Atlantic Ocean in an open, rigid, inflatable boat. Grills and his team traveled in an 11-meter-long boat and encountered force eight gale winds with waves breaking over the boat while passing through icebergs in their journey from Halifax, Nova Scotia to John O'Groats, Scotland. And you can read all about it. There's a book written about it. In 2005, Grills created a world record <laughs> for the highest open-air formal dinner, right? I mean, you've always wanted to break that record, haven't you? A, the highest open-air formal dinner party, which they did under a hot air balloon at 25,000 feet in the air, they had the full mess gear and oxygen masks. To train for the event, he had to do over 200 parachute jumps. A couple years later, in 2007, Grills embarked on a record-setting para-jet, paramotor trip in the Himalayas near Mount Everest. They had to be careful not to cross over into Chinese territory. He took off from 14,500 feet south of the mountain, Bear Grylls reported looking down on the summit during his ascent, coping with temperatures of negative 76 degrees Fahrenheit. He endured dangerously low oxygen levels, but eventually reached 29,500 feet elevation, 10,000 feet higher than the previous record of 20,019 feet. The feat was filmed by the Discovery Channel worldwide as well as Channel 4 in the United Kingdom. The list goes on and on and on of some of the things that he's done. Obviously, the man loves adventure. And if you've ever watched his show, Running Wild with Bear Grylls, you've seen him take celebrity after celebrity on a two-day trek through some exotic wilderness location around the world, and they do just insane things all in the name of survival. Some of the notable things that have been done on his show is, I'll just name a few of them. Courtney Cox was on with him, and he asked her to eat supper on some maggots that they found that were eating a dead sheep that was laying in the bog. He asked Channing Tatum to help him to gut a rattlesnake they chopped it up. Channing did pretty well until after they chopped it up, the meat was still wiggling. <laughs> he asked actor Sterling K. Brown to eat some raccoon with him that they had to dig out of a frozen grave. Channing, or not Channing, but uh, Sterling uh, had to admit that raccoon was not his favorite animal, let alone favorite cuisine. He also took Drew Brees from the New Orleans Saints. I see some Saints fans out here today. He took Drew Brees with him on a trip, and if you, when you have a, a, an NFL player with you, you have to take advantage of their skills. So he had Drew Brees tackle a, a crocodile to help him capture it. The list goes on and on. Hanging from helicopters, rappelling off cliffs, ziplining across caverns, something like this is going to happen Every episode, clearly, anyone who has ever watched Bear Girls in action knows that if they're going to follow him into the wilderness, 
there better be ready to do what he says, all in the name, again, of survival. Now, I don't know about you, Bear Grylls is fun to watch, but I'm thankful that Bear Grylls is not asking all men and women of earth to follow him. Aren't you? (laughs) As a matter of fact, however, Bear Grylls does say that he himself is a follower of Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ is the one who is asking all men and women and boys and girls of earth to follow him. Jesus is that great leader who is all about our survival, not just here and now on this earth, but for eternity, the one who is worried about our eternal survival and has the answer for it. He knows what he's doing, and he's asking us to listen closely to him so that we can truly make it out of this vast wilderness of a sinful earth. If truly there was ever a survival story to be told in this universe, it's for the men and women who are on this broken, sinful planet and looking to find a way out, especially through Jesus Christ. And so to continue our survival training this morning, I'd like to go with you to the guidebook, to the Bible. I'd like to ask you to turn with me to Luke chapter 9. We're going to be there throughout the duration of our study. We'll jump around to some other verses, but this is the main text we are going to use. I'd like to give you some context about this Luke chapter 9 before we get to the specific verse. In Luke 9, Jesus has just told the disciples that he is going to be put to death and that he is going to rise back from the dead in three days. Now, this is not something you would normally hear, right? However, the disciples were used to not hearing and seeing normal things as they followed Jesus. Would you agree? Yes, following Jesus meant that you were going to see Jesus do things like stand toe-to-toe with the religious authorities. Following Jesus meant that you were going to watch him come close to people who were experiencing even demonic possession. Following Jesus meant that you were going to see insignificant people treated significantly as if they were important. Following Jesus meant that you were going to see dead people rise back from the dead, from the grave. Following Jesus meant that you were going to watch winds and waves suddenly be calmed, and you were going to see the water suddenly become a sidewalk for him to casually walk upon. Following Jesus meant you were going to watch things like wine and fish and bread and even animate things like friends and foe react to him in ways that you never thought were possible. Again, I say clearly, anybody that followed Jesus knew that this was not going to be an ordinary trip. Have you hesitated yourself? Let me ask you this morning to follow Jesus because you thought it might just be merely ordinary to do it? I challenge you this morning to think again if you've ever felt that way. Because following Jesus is anything but ordinary. 
And I pose to you today that the closer you follow Jesus, the closer you come to him, the less ordinary your life will continue to become. On the flip side, if you've considered yourself to be a follower of Jesus, but you think your life is definitely still ordinary, then I'd like to ask you to consider whether or not you are turning a blind eye to how he clearly defines in his word how to follow him. And so I'd like to go with you now to the specific verse I'd like to look at with you this morning. That's Luke chapter 9 and verse 23. And the Bible says here, Jesus says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Now we're going to look at a few aspects of this verse, and the first aspect I'd like to study with you for a moment is the fact this first recipe in following Jesus is that we must deny ourselves. We must practice something called denial. Jesus is pretty clear here. What are we supposed to deny about ourselves? Well, this is where I think context, again, can help us. Just in verse 25, Jesus is talking about how gaining the whole world can cause a person to lose their own soul. So clearly we need to be worried and about denying ourselves in things of this world that are not good for us, that are a danger for our lives. Also the context in this chapter, Jesus says in verse 26, not to be ashamed of his words. So the word of God is clearly teaching us how to deny ourselves. Now I'd like to go to John, the beloved disciple, who writes something, I think, profound in 1 John chapter 2, 15 and 16, that I think sheds light on this. John writes and says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. So God's Word is telling us that there are things that we can see and things that we lust after in the world, things that we take pride in sometimes in the world that really still lead to our degradation and even our ruination. Jesus says to deny ourselves with these kinds of things. Look back at his temptations. You see the kind of same kind of things we're faced with, Jesus had to face with a great tempter. Let me ask you, have you ever practiced denial in some form? And when you have, if you have, what wisdom did you gain from it? I have practiced denial in my life, never more so than when I finally gave my life to Jesus and began to follow him back in college. I'm grateful for the teachings of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. One of them is our health message, and one thing I know started to happen in my life when I began to follow Jesus is that I began to eat things that were different. I began to drink things that were different. I had practices before this that were not good for me. 
And things began to change, began to abstain more often from eating unhealthily. Let me ask you this. Have you ever noticed that when you don't just eat anything and everything, that suddenly foods begin to taste better overall? Have you noticed that? Amen. When I eat anything I want, everything I want, I find myself overlooking good things like fruits and vegetables because I want to just keep eating the unhealthy things, right? The unhealthy cravings. But suddenly when I begin to deny myself and cut back on all that and limit the intake, suddenly carrots begin to taste really good. Amen? Apples begin to taste really good, whereas before they would have rotted on the counter for weeks. I actually want to eat them when I practice denial. Could this practice of denial be a brilliant piece of advice from Jesus? And could it transform our lives if we applied it in many more avenues besides what I've just mentioned with eating that will help us stay better balanced and keep us healthier? And we could go through tons of examples here, couldn't we? But I, I'm just going to key on two more examples to get your thoughts going on this again. How about sex? Somebody looked up just now. <laughs> you know, by the way, we're going to do a summer series on sex. And please pray for us. We are praying fervently <laughs> about that series. So many people today, however, isn't it true, are indulging sexual desires by every means possible in order to satisfy cravings that are very unhealthy. But could it be, and I'm talking to folks specifically now in a marriage context, that when we practice denial of these unhealthy cravings, and you know what those can be, to manifest itself in pornography, in, in adultery, in many different forms, that when we practice denial here, that sex can actually become better with a husband or with a wife in a marriage context. How about one more? Rest and relaxation. Has this ever looked like you? A couch potato. If we overindulge in resting and relaxation, does it lead us to be happier in our life or unhappier? Do we appreciate it as much if we are doing it all the time and we overindulge in it? If we keep ourselves active, if we keep our minds busy by doing productive things, can resting and relaxing become much more enjoyable? The world has so many pitfalls, doesn't it? And subtle ways to, to, to steer us off course and put us right into the ditch. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, Peter says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he might and may devour. God is calling us to stay vigilant so that we don't become part of those who are devoured by the predator of this world. And this is 
honestly, the message that was given to the first child that was ever born into this world. Do you remember the nugget of wisdom that God gave to Cain back in Genesis chapter 4, verse 7? Look what he said to him. He said, sin is crouching at your door. Notice the language. Sounds like a, a lion, right, that it later is talked about. Sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but what does it say? You, God says you must rule over it. Let's be honest. Ruling over it is difficult. We know it's easy to give in. It's easy to let our guard down and then let the sins of the world just kind of flood in. And sin won't give up, will it? Nor will it give in trying to lure us away. It's relentless. I think that's why Jesus said another thing in Luke chapter 9, our main verse. Let's look at the second main point today. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. He said that we have to take up our cross and deny ourselves. How often? Daily. It's something that requires that much attention. Constant attention. But in the right way. Again, we must rule over it, but we've seen how difficult that really is. Well, God, let me remind us, says in Zechariah 4, 6, not by might, nor by power, but how? By my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. I think that his name is used in that way for a reason in this verse. He is the Almighty One. His spirit will be the one that will help us. And so, let's not put our attention on our strength to deny ourselves but focus on his strength to do it. And again, we got to do it daily. And Jesus taught us to come and to pray to the Father for help, right? That's the best way to unite with the Spirit is to come to him and to ask. And Jesus taught in the Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter 6, verse 11, to ask God to give us this day our daily bread. Does that sound redundant? Give us this day our daily bread. When something is said two or three times in a single context, you know it's important. God, Jesus is making the point here to do this every day, and he's not just talking about food, is he? Because in the same chapter, Matthew chapter 6, a little later on, he said, I am the bread of life. So come and ask for Jesus' help daily, every day. He says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never hunger and will never thirst. That's profound, folks. The closer that we come to Jesus, the more it doesn't feel like denial, does it? To put away the sinful desires of this world. Why is that? Because Jesus, folks, is the one who satisfies all cravings. Jesus has this opposite effect from every sinful thing that we find on earth. Any sinful thing that we overindulge in just leads to depression and to ruination and life getting worse. But not so with Jesus. Jesus is the one who truly satisfies, isn't he? It's not Snickers. It's not something else in the world. It's Jesus who truly satisfies. He alone can do it. And as the old hymn says, people can actually grow to the point in grace that they would say, you can have all this world, but give me Jesus. Lastly, 
One more thing I'd like to pull out of Luke chapter 9. It's something that I think is very intriguing. Here it's in the plural. It says, take up, anyone who desires to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross. I'm going to put it in a singular context today. Take up your cross. Your cross. That's interesting, isn't it? You know, Jesus hadn't died on the cross yet, had he, when he said this. And so it's like he's giving the disciples a foretaste of what death he would suffer himself. And Jesus took up that cross of sin, and I think it's paramount to remember that this cross, which symbolizes sin and shame in all of its forms, did not belong to him, did it? I mean, Hebrews 4.15 makes it clear that we don't have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Though the Bible is clear that Jesus did not die for any sin of his own, it's clear that he died for our sin, yours and mine. In other words, it wasn't his cross. Jesus took our cross. He took our sin. He took our shame. Deuteronomy 21, 23 says, Cursed is anyone who is hung on a tree, and everyone of us should have been hung on a tree because we are that cursed, but not Jesus. But he took our curse, and he bore our shame on his shoulders. And it's through this lens of the amazing, magnificent love of God that he is asking us today to consider taking up our cross, denying ourselves, and following him. And brothers and sisters, if, if Jesus took our cross in the first place, do we really think that he's going to leave us alone with the cross he's asking us to bear today? Let me say that again. If he was willing to take up our cross in the first place, do we really think he's going to leave us alone with the cross he's asking us to take up today? Paul says in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ, and now I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul considered that God loved him, that's why he did it, and that this is his cross. He said, I was crucified with Christ. I was with him on that cross. Paul considered everything he did in life to be done with Jesus Christ living in him now. And if Jesus was to take up that cross for him 2,000 years ago, looking back from us today, if Paul was here today, then he would declare that Jesus would be willing to take up that cross today with him as well. Because Jesus ever lives to assist. Jesus always wants to help us and to do life together every day. Help us with the things we cannot help ourselves with. And the closer that we come to Jesus, the sweeter and the better and the easier life becomes to navigate because with Jesus, we slowly but surely gain strength to believe that we truly can do all things through him because he will strengthen us. 
Let me ask you, have you given up the source of your strength today, maybe even before you got started? Jesus is still there for you. He is ready to walk with you. He's ready to talk with you and help you along life's narrow way. He lives and he loves and he will never stop asking you to pick up your cross. He will never stop asking you to deny yourself and he will never stop asking you to follow him. Again, I can assure you, it won't be a normal experience. Can I get an amen? I've never known adrenaline rushes like I have known since I gave my life to Jesus Christ and started following him. I've never known such a worthwhile existence. And I'm not perfect. I know that. But I'm on a journey with a God who loves me so much and who looks at me as perfect. He was willing to pick up that cross of my sin 2,000 years ago. And he's still willing to help me to bear my cross today, every day, because he loves me. In closing, Jesus said in John 16, 20, that he can turn our sorrow into joy. And this denial that he is calling us to do seems hard at the outset, but can you actually believe, can we actually believe that it can turn into our greatest joy? Paul says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 14, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. That means your cross, my cross, Jesus will always conquer the cross for us, for anyone. He will conquer the world, but it's through the cross. And it, become, it can become the proudest part of our lives, and it should become the proudest part of our lives. Oh, brothers and sisters, I remind us today to look to the cross. That which from the outset looks difficult and maybe too costly can actually result in our greatest life imaginable. And see today if he is there for you right now, willing and ready to help you because he loves you. I think you'll find that he is always there, ready. Listen to what Bear Grylls himself shares with his testimony. He says, the journey's been that faith has been the wildest ride. And Jesus, the heart of the Christian faith, is the wildest, most radical guy you'll ever come across. Amen. He's always hanging around with prostitutes and tax collectors, having parties and banquets. I love what he says next. He says, I remember a simple prayer up in a tree one evening. Now, this, this is an odd statement for anybody, right, except for Bear Grylls. He says, I was up in a tree one evening praying. This is as he is, uh, was an adult. And he said, God, if you're like anything I knew you to be as a kid, would you be that friend again? And it was no more complicated than that. And actually, the amazing thing is that all God asks is that we sort of open the door and he'll do the rest. Maybe someone here this morning 
just needs to open the door to Jesus Christ in their life right now. Open the door to Jesus. Give Him that chance. And if you do, I'm certain you will discover what a friend we truly have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs He will bear. So take up your cross if you want to be a survivor. Follow Jesus starting today and see how your friend will always be there. He will lead you on an awesome adventure that will never end. Amen and amen. Let's stand together, shall we, and pray. Loving Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you sent your Son into this world to bear our sin and our shame. We are so grateful that he was willing to take up our cross. And he is still willing to help us take up that cross today. Lord, we truly want to be followers of you. Amen? Lord, we truly want to follow you, not just here and now, but for the ceaseless ages of eternity. So I pray that you would bless us to be committed, to be vigilant, that we daily would come before you and see you as that loving friend who's there willing to help us with what we cannot do ourselves. Lord, bless us to grow in your grace and to bring more people along with us for that wonderful kingdom soon to come. Bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.